I am super, super excited um, when you hear God say something and then he responds. When you pray something and you see him respond. It is phenomenal to see how amazing God is when you, when you look for it. We're praying this morning out in the gym, praying for, for unity. Unity not in our plans and purposes, but unity in what God wants to be doing in this space. And then you see the outworking of that as people come and contribute and share different parts of the one heart, the one spirit, the one thing that God's saying. And you just go, thank you, Lord. Thank you that you heard, that you responded, that as we were obedient, you did what you wanted to do. Now, I'm going to need a hand this morning from some kids. We're going to watch a little video, kids, and I need your help. It's a video packed full of some information uh, from thousands of hours of research and thousands of different input put into what you're about to see. And it's pretty heavy going, but what I want you to tell me, and big kids can do this too, is what do you think this two-minute clip is saying about church, about Christians, about God? So if we've got sound, and Jeremy, you want to hit it? We'll, um, we'll have a look. For the latest rock band to die in our town, Lord, hear our prayer. Lord, hear our prayer. I hate being right. I hate going. Why can't I worship the Lord in my own way? By praying like hell on my deathbed. Homer, they can hear you inside. Relax. Those pious morons are too busy talking to their phony baloney god. How you doing? Peace be with you. Praise Jeebus. Now today I'd like to try something a little different. I'm going to call on one of you. Ah! Now the word of God dwells within everyone. I want you to let that word out. Let your spirit... Ooh, 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 ooh. What is it, Ned? The good Lord is telling me to confess to something. An immodest sense of pride in our community. Somebody else, let the Lord's light shine upon you. (laughs) Feel the spirit. Let it out. Horrible, horrible things are going to happen. And they're going to happen you, and you, and you, and you. <gasps> oh, Nelly! <laughs> People of Springfield, heed this warning. Twisted tail, a thousand eyes, trap forever! Dad, do something! <laughs> this book doesn't have any answers! Beware! Beware! Time is short! Epa! 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 Believe me! Believe me! Thanks for listening. There is thousands of hours of research and thousands of people opinions packed into that little passage. What? Does it say about God, about the church, about Christians? Anyone pick up anything? God is judgmental. Yep. What else? Christians are hypocrites. Church is a ritual that people attend. Music's lame and any good music they want to pray against. Yep. 
The Bible doesn't have any answers. Yep, and what's the result of that? You look crazy. Your family's embarrassed by you. Kids have no place in church. Everyone comes late. The one person is all the, the nutter that gets up and says stuff all the time and you can't shut them up. There's a lot in there, isn't there? Does any of it resonate? Oh, hang on. Oh, dear. Can I suggest everything that we have just said is the fruit of broken people, not the agenda of God? And this morning, I'm going to need another volunteer. Um, It needs to be someone who doesn't have any allergies, food allergies, and also is quite okay with eating something that they may... I want you to identify what I'm going to feed you, so you, you need to... Um, it's all right. It's something you've already eaten. I can pretty much guarantee that. Does a kid want to come up and taste something um, and try and guess what it is? Who wants to? No, it's something you've, you've already eaten lots and lots of times. In fact, you've probably eaten it thousands of times. So it's not something that you've never eaten before. But I want you to come and taste it and tell me what it is. Come on. Come on. Someone's going to be a little bit brave. Go on. Come up. Come up. Come up. Brilliant. Now, where are oh, my bags over there? I've got a cup for you. Of water, just water. Okay, now I'm just going to get something out of here. Um, you can just close your eyes, is that all right? Okay, now I guarantee you, this is something you have had thousands of times, right? Thousands and thousands of times. They're just being silly, ignore them. I'm not sure you're going to identify it. Now, I actually read up on this this week. Apparently, this is really, really good for you. Lots and lots of good stuff in it, right? Really nutritional. Um, and I'm just going to, do you want to open your mouth? Yep, here we go. And tell me what you think it is. Go on. What is it? Can you taste it? Does it taste yum? Can you tell what it is? No. But you've had it thousands of times. I'm pretty, I'm, I know you've had it thousands of times. What's it taste like? Peanut butter a bit? Yep. Does anyone else know what it is? Oh, I'm very, very close. Because this is, you, you, you stole my punchline. Because you add it to flour to make this. Yeast. Apparently, yeast is full of really good stuff. It was weird, it's weird, isn't it? Did you want a drink of water? Yeah, cool. I thought you might like that. But why was it weird? Have you never had bread before? You have. It's the magic ingredient in bread. <laughs> Thanks so much for that. Because what I want to talk about, did you want a loaf of bread? Excellent. You've earned it. You have earned it. Because what I want to talk about is any time you hear Jesus speak, every time you hear Jesus speak, there is something profound that he is representing. And he, he tries to explain it in so many different ways. And one of them is yeast. In Matthew 13, he talks about a tiny little piece of yeast. A tiny piece of yeast affecting a ball of flour and water and oil, if you want to get fancy, and causing it to end up as a loaf of bread. Amazing, just a little bit of yeast. He talks about a mustard seed in the same, same passage in Matthew 13. And a mustard seed, as though, even though it's little, grows up to be a big tree. And he doesn't talk about these things because because they're just cool inventions that God came up with, which he did. 
but they reflect something profound, and that is the kingdom of God. These pictures, these illustrations represent the kingdom of God. Unfortunately, we have illustrations and pictures like the Simpsons as our picture of the kingdom of God. And I love what God's been doing this morning because he's been drawing together a bunch of different pieces of the same picture. We've, we've had the picture of condemnation, of what, what, how condemnation crushes and restricts and limits and robs us of experiencing the fullness of God. We've had the picture of surrender and obedience and how God is drawing us into a place of, of responding in obedience to what he's doing. The amazing story of, of people standing up and saying, I will commit to dying for Christ. And it's not paying lip service because the, the result is likely that they will die for Christ. Amazing. But those two things fit together in a picture of a kingdom where things come out better than they go in. We look at the disciples, their passion to expand the kingdom, and we look at the persecution that they faced, and we go, were they crazy? No, they believed in the kingdom Jesus talked about. We look at it demonstrated and modeled by Jesus over and over again. We've heard, we, brilliant, Oren sharing about the, the, the two fish. What does two fish look like in our own hands? Nothing. What does a little teaspoon of yeast look like? It look, well, what does it taste like? Peanut butter. But tell me what that bread tastes like. Does it taste good? Yeah? Is it better than the yeast? But without the yeast, there was no bread. You don't get that beautiful loaf of bread without the little piece of yeast to start with. And so often we look at little pieces of the picture and we forget the big picture. We forget the fact that God is good, his kingdom is good, and his kingdom is fruitful. We read in Matthew 7 or 8. Matthew 7 talks about a tree and its fruit. Beware of false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. We always look at things in the negative. Now, I know some people in here that when you talk to them and say, are you a pessimist or an optimist? They'll go, no, no, I'm just a realist, which is really just a disguised pessimist, right? Because when we look at Scripture, the entirety of Scripture, is there bad stuff? Do things go wrong constantly? Do broken people hurt other people? Does God have judgment on people? Ooh. Does sometimes God do things that people don't like? 
There's so many times that we can look on the pieces of the puzzle that are broken. But the perspective God always has is that there is a purpose and an agenda that is good. And when we lose sight of that piece of the puzzle, everything else crumbles. It becomes a burden we cannot bear. If you say there is no condemnation, but you don't acknowledge there's hope, what's the point of having no condemnation? You may as well be condemned. If you say, Lord, I repent. My ways are not your ways. I believe your truth and I want to follow in your ways, but you do not believe God's ways are good. What's going to happen tomorrow? You're going to throw your hands up and say, I tried. Thanks, see ya. Or the flip side is you're going to just keep flogging yourself. Flogging yourself saying, I've got to do better. I've got to do better. We must believe that God is a good God. His kingdom is a good kingdom. And what goes in comes out better. I would argue it's our lack of belief in that that means we do not evangelize. Because we don't have something to offer people that we think is good enough. The Christ that we worship is not good enough to tell people about. I would argue it affects our decisions. That we see church, an institution, a design by God for our benefit. We see it like the Simpsons sees it. I wouldn't want to be part of a church that that's their hope. If that's the hope of the church, we have no hope. But the hope of the church is not based on the people in the church. The hope of the church is based on a kingdom that is coming that we are pioneering and part of. Because I believe in that kingdom. When Jesus was asked, how should we pray? What was the response? You should pray like this. Our divine daddy, you are like no other. You're holy. You are profoundly unique in significance. And then the next thing is, we want your kingdom, your rule, your authority, your power to be on earth like it is in heaven. We want your way to be our way. But we've got to believe it. If we stick with the pessimism of saying people are broken and that's how they're always going to be. If we stick with the, the sickness and the... You look at every area Jesus touched. Health. You know, the way women were seen in that society. He smashed it. He said there's so much more than the way you treat your women. There's so much more than the way you treat your, your sinners, your tax collectors, your, your losers. There's so much more. My kingdom is not about oppression. It's not about less. It's about more. Now, at this point, I've got to be careful because we define prosperity in different ways. And there's some people that would say, God's kingdom is about more, so we're all going to be rich and drive Ferraris. I don't see that in Scripture. I'm sorry. His abundance might not be the abundance you're looking at. We're after his kingdom, not ours. And so he might give you a boat, but he might not. My point is, it's his kingdom, not ours, yeah? And so if we want to build ourselves a little empire where we end up with all the money and all the good jobs and all the happiness in life, whatever you want to call that, 
It's a different kingdom. I'm sorry, that's not the kingdom we're talking about. Is there abundance in the kingdom? Absolutely. It might look a little different. I want to tell you a sad story. Actually, I want to tell you a good story first. The good story is there's a church being planted in officer. There's another church being planted in officer. How awesome is that? All right? Is that good? Okay. There's a church in Frankston called Connect Church that have been praying and looking at opportunities and, and they're going to plant in officer. They're going to plant here. Right? Oh, you saw me like it on Facebook. I wondered if there were some discerning people. Next Saturday afternoon, they're having a launch service here. Now, this picture of church, the Simpsons picture of church, says something very different to what I believe. Because that says we've got some competition. That says, who are they? What are they doing? Are they going to muck up our schedule? Are they going to use our resources? Are there people going to go to that church that maybe could come to this church? What if someone from this church goes to that church? Ooh. What if they start wanting to use it on Sunday morning and they actually have more sway than we do and we get kicked out of this space? Ooh. This is not kingdom thinking, right? This is poor human small world thinking. Kingdom thinking says God is moving. God is working. God is drawing people. He said, pray for the harvesters. And guess what he's doing? He's bringing harvesters. Awesome to journey alongside us with the mission that we've been called to in this area. What could be better than that? That's phenomenal. That is awesome. You know what? They might even stir the pot. We might even have a bit of iron sharpening iron from an angle of seeing God's heart that we don't have at the moment. Are we intimidated by that? Absolutely not. God's way bigger than my perception of him and someone else is going to come along and help me see things in a way that I don't see them. This is good news. Next Saturday afternoon, five, they're having sausage sizzle, they're having a Easter egg hunt and they're having um, a short one-hour service. They sound like us, fit in perfectly. let's, Let's pray for them. Let's encourage them. Let's... I'm going to come along, or we're going to come along, and just encourage them. There's a little bit of weirdness in there that you go, oh, you don't want them to think that they've all of a sudden got 30 extra people for their congregation. But I'm 100% behind them. Love it. The pastor's name's Frank. So pray for Frank. And the pastor in Frankston's name's Adrian. Pray for Adrian. God's moving. God's doing great stuff. How good is that? I want to tell you a slightly sadder story. But it doesn't have a sad ending because... We believe in a kingdom where things come in broken and come out better, yeah? The second story is about next weekend. Navigators have been communicating online. We're all digital. It's amazing, believe it or not. We've been discussing what to do about Easter services next weekend. What do we do? Do we have a a Friday service? We've committed to a combined service on Sunday morning, 6.15, heard sausage sizzle, that's Saturday. But the question was, do we run a Friday service and a Sunday normal service, like our own service? Do we just encourage people to join the 6.15 combined service, AM? It's a dawn service. But this is the sad part, right? And this, please don't feel like this is you personally, but this is us, right? The sad part is, 
when we reflected, and, and I talked to someone, I, I got a little bit of advice this week. When we reflected on Neighbor Day, it was overwhelming that the church leadership dived into Neighbor Day, but the rest of the body really didn't. Is that fair? No, as, as in, is that a fair reflection? And so we said, well, if we say everyone come to the 615 service because that's where we believe we're representing this kingdom that we're talking about, this kingdom where things come in and go, come out better, that's part of the picture. What if most people go, uh, I was thinking of sleeping in, really annoying. I actually planned to have a bit of an Easter egg hunt with the kids. 10 o'clock's a bit more convenient for me. Maybe we should run a 10 a.m. service as well because people might not engage. They might choose to, to sleep instead of celebrating how amazing our God is in Jesus. For me, the fact that we even thought this, other than the fact that it's probably quite true in some way, is really sad because it means we've got some work to do in this area of valuing this kingdom that we're crying out to God to bring on earth as it is in heaven. It means that our culture is still torn between an idea of church where it's, it's convenience, it suits me in my rhythm, it, it has something that, that I consume rather than I'm championing what God's doing. Now, I'm not saying that the 615 service is God's answer to his kingdom. Please hear me. But I do believe, I am convinced, and as a leadership, we're convinced that God is championing something here as a body. And so I want to ask you the question. I've sort of suggested an answer, but I honestly want to hear what you think we should do next Sunday. There's no sleep in heaven. <laughs> Get all our sleep we can. Yep. Because my heart says we have an amazing opportunity. My heart says we have a, a, an amazing opportunity to model what comes in small comes out better. And next Sunday is not the beginning and end of that, but it is one opportunity. What's going to go in and what's going to come out better? Just ask that. What's going to go in small and come out bigger? What's going to go in half dead and come out more alive? What's going to go in half-baked and come out fully baked? What's going to go in looking like flour and come out a loaf of bread? That's the question we need to be asking. And I'm not the one who's going to answer it. Because if you don't believe that what's coming in half-baked is going to come out bigger, better, more alive, then that's, that's something you've got to work with God on. This is something that I'm using next Sunday as an example, but it's actually reflective of our whole life. It's reflective of the choices we make. It's reflective of the things we invest in. It's reflected in the things we sacrifice. It's reflective in the things that we hold on to. And I really want to get to the place where we as a body, our priority is, our focus is, we want to be kingdom people that believe that there is a kingdom coming and is here now, that we reflect and represent, that like yeast, the flower is better off with it than without it. That like yeast, the result is something that is profoundly bigger, more significant, more powerful, more impacting than the piece that we contributed. I am convinced 
that having a perspective, a kingdom perspective, a perspective that says God is about making things better, not worse. God is not about telling everyone how, much, how bad they are, but he does discipline those he loves. It's interesting, we don't, when you think about bread and the process of making bread, we don't often talk about the, the oven experience. There's something that goes on in the oven, a lot of hot temperature that creates the reaction in the yeast. We don't like to talk about the fact that the seed has to die in the earth for it to actually bring new life. We like the tree, we like the seed, we want to eat the fruit. But in both of these cases, it's an all or nothing option. There is actually no middle ground. You don't get a loaf of bread by whacking some yeast into some flour. It's got to be put in the oven. A seed can sit on a windowsill and look out longingly at the trees and go, I want to be like the tree one day. I'm going to read all about photosynthesis. I'm going to study up on what, what good fertilizer is like. One day, one day, I'm going to be like that tree. How fantastic that day will be. It's never going to happen until the seed says, I am going to surrender everything I am to the soil. I'm going to, I'm going to give up everything and I have nothing left to offer other than complete surrender. And I will die first that life may come out of me. The picture is beautiful, the picture is good, the picture is worth rejoicing for. And yet the pieces of the picture is all or nothing. There is no half kingdom of God. There is no middle ground. There is no hedging our bat bets between, you know, maybe my career will get me somewhere and purpose in life and maybe God will get me somewhere and purpose. There, there is no middle ground. Jesus said, again in Matthew 16, Jesus said, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And on the third day, be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on things of God but on the things of man. He goes on to say, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We focus on the oven. This is all the oven stuff, right? Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Three parts of the picture. The ingredients. Just a little bit of yeast. A seed. An experience that on the surface looks negative. Looks hard, looks painful, looks hot. But those two pieces are insignificant compared to the conclusion. The reason for those two pieces are because of the conclusion. And that is an amazing loaf of bread, a tree that bears fruit, a kingdom that is profound because of its purpose and intention. We can't lose sight of the goal. Romans says, for the joy set before him, Jesus went to the cross. He wasn't looking forward to the cross, but he could see what was on the other side. There's a famous sermon by a guy called Tony Campolo who says, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday, 
but Sunday's coming. And we must have that perspective in our walk or else we will be crushed. We will be discouraged. We will walk away disillusioned because we do not believe that Sunday is coming. Yes, Friday was profound and we rejoice and thank you, God, for the gift of what Jesus did on Friday. But Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, glorified today. He's the one that we worship, that thousands and thousands and millions of people around the world worship and honor and glorify because he is risen. He is alive. He endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. And I, I believe that as a body, we've got to believe that we, we represent, we are stewards, we are instruments of a kingdom that says what comes out is better than what goes in, in every aspect of our life, in our relationships, in our spouses, in our workplace, in our church life. What comes out must be better than what goes in. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, I want to thank you so much for the, the many different things that you've weaved together this morning. Lord, it is so beautiful. It is so beautiful that you would value us to the point that you would discipline us, that you would value us, that you would reveal truth about your ways, that you would value us, that you would bring people around us to encourage and remind us and help us see things the way you see them. God, we are profoundly blessed. And yet we acknowledge that what we see today is only a very dull glimmer of what's coming. Lord, I pray that you would give us faith to believe, hope and joy to acknowledge your kingdom coming. To acknowledge the power that raised Jesus from death is alive in us today. Lord, I pray that you would help wipe away, remove, Lord, the lies that we see things through, Father. The lies of hopelessness, of small gains, of labor that is fruitless, Lord God. Lord, I pray that you would replace that with your pictures of the kingdom that you have declared is here and is coming. Kingdom of treasure, kingdom of multiplication that is 30, 50, 100 fold, Lord. Lord, that is the kingdom that we want to receive, Lord God. That is the kingdom we want to represent. And Father, we can't do that without you. And Lord, for days that we feel like just two dead fish, I pray you would help us see what that looks like in your kingdom, in your power and in your hands. Lord, I thank you that your spirit moves and works. But I pray, Lord, that we would see and anticipate and desire multiplication, fruit, health, treasure, healing, redemption, souls returning to you to worship you, Lord, lives that are abundant, all the things that you promised, Lord God, I pray you would put on our hearts and our minds and on our lips, Father, that we would be living testimonies of a God that is good, that produces good things and multiplies things that are broken into things that are amazingly, profoundly good. I pray, Lord, that we would be like yeast. I pray, Lord, that we would be like mustard seeds, that in your hands, that in your power, produce amazing things for your glory and your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.